Good morning. Would you uh, grab your Bibles and turn with us to the book of Isaiah? Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to start in verse 27. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27. Give you a moment to get there. As a matter of fact, let's start in verse 25. Back up a little bit. Verse 25, chapter 40 of Isaiah says, To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is God's word. You may be seated. All right. You guys doing well? Yeah? Good. Thanks, man. This is so great that we get to have people again here, right in front of me. We've had people, but it's been like four the same people, same faces. I'm sick of them. It's good to see new faces. No, no, I love you guys. Um, hey, on that note, I didn't plan to do this, but seriously though, I feel like I got to make up now for what I just said. Um, no, for real, uh, thank you guys, band, tech guys, um, all of these weeks. What are we now, five, six months in, into this? Six months? More than that? I don't even know. Lost track of time, but all this time, have been so faithful and helping, um, and I know it hasn't been the funnest experience every week because, um, man, it just feels like a studio in here. We'd end and it'd be like, cut! All right, great job, everybody! And it, it was just such a weird feeling. It didn't feel like church gathering. It, this is, man, where it's at. Um, the body of Christ being together um, to sit under God's word together, sing together. I, I just love sitting in the back and just lifting my voice with you guys. Um, so just know I'm grateful. Tech team, band for you guys. I'm grateful for everyone else that's here and joining in with us this morning. If you're online, we're grateful that you're tuning in as well um, and that either you're a guest or you've been here with our church for a long time. Man, thanks for taking the time to tune in with us because um, I just really believe there's something, although you can watch this at any moment during the week, um, there's something about us being together in spirit at the same moment. So thank you for doing that. So as Ryan had said, um, I'm going to call him Walker because everyone gets confused between my wife, Ryan, 
and Pastor Ryan. So as Walker said a bit ago that we just finished last week our series in 2 Corinthians. We've been in that since February. It's been a long haul. It feels weird to just open my Bible on a Sunday to another book um, aside from 2 Corinthians, but we are also beginning a new series next week in the Psalms of Ascent, and uh, this is uh, going to be a, a series called Songs on the Road to Renewal. We look forward to that. So right here in the middle of it, uh, a standalone passage, I was asked to preach on renewal, the theme of renewal, and so I chose this passage, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to see why uh, this morning, but um, we are in strange times right now, are we not? I mean, we, we're in just really strange, strange times. Our minds are flooded with information. I mean, just from every direction, everywhere we go, everywhere we look online or who we talk to, we hear something new. And our minds can feel like they're just about to burst at the seams with all this information. Just what are we doing? And, may, and maybe our hearts are anxious in the midst of it. Maybe some of us find ourselves where we're just, we're just waiting. We're just waiting for this end, waiting for me to be able to take off this dumb mask, waiting for the election season to be here and be over with, waiting for justice to be done in our country, waiting for peace to finally come to us. And we're just waiting. Man, what we need to really see is that what we're really wanting personally and corporately, nationally, globally, is, is renewal at the heart of it. We really want and just bring a renewal. And I hope that your hearts are saying that, God, whatever it is that you're doing Whatever it is that you're bringing about, would you do it? Would you do it quickly? I hope our hearts are in line or desiring to be in line with the heart of God in these times. That we're praying and saying, God, show me what it is that you're doing. We must believe that God is bringing renewal. I want you to look at this sentence with me, uh, verse 31. This is where we're really going to zoom in today. It says, they who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. There's four uh, truths, at least four truths, and there's one little sentence here. One, that it is those who wait. Two, for the Lord. Three, um, they are promised renewal. And four, renewal of strength. Those who wait for the Lord Three, our promised renewal, renewal of strength. Those who wait. Just think about that, 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 that phrase for a second. Those who wait. Take a moment to like, just introspectively, is that me? Am I one of the ones who wait on the Lord for the Lord? I hate waiting. I don't know about you guys, but I, man, I, you can ask my wife, Ryan, that when I have an idea about something, I just want to hit the gas and do it. I hate waiting around to, for, the, for the right time to do it. 
But man, that's our life sometimes, most of the time. I had to wait just this week in preparing this sermon. At the beginning of the week, I really try to get as much done as I can on the sermon when it's my time to preach. But I, every time I sat down and tried to put pen to paper or whatever, typing on a computer, digital words on a screen, every time I tried to do that, I felt like I had just had nothing to give. It was just, and I just felt like I was waiting all week. God, Give me something. Give me some strength. Give me some wisdom here. I had to wait and for God to bring it. And he did. Ryan and I are in a season of waiting right now. We're just in this, this long season of waiting, and I hope to be able to even share some of that with you guys in the days ahead of what that is. But man, we just have been waiting and waiting. God, show us. Show us. Tell us, speak to us, lead us, guide us, direct us. We are the people of God, church. Right? That's why we're here. We're his people. We're gathered together under his name. We're brought together by the blood of Christ. We are his people. We're the people of God. We're not the people solely of America we're not the people of Crosspoint downtown. We're not just people who live in Orlando. Whatever type of, of connection you want to make, we primarily and solely foundationally and on top of everything else are the people of God. We're His people. And as such, waiting is our heritage. This is our first point today. Waiting is our heritage. The Christian life is full of waiting on God. Think about it. I'm going to run through just a list here just to help us get a context. Noah, he had to wait for the flood to recede before the covenant could be renewed with him and his family. Abram and Sarai, before they were Abraham and Sarah, had to wait for God to give them a son before he could become Abraham, the father of many nations. Abraham was 100 years old. Oh, sweet girl. Um, uh, Sarah was 90 years old. They had to wait. Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, had to wait for Laban to be able to marry Rachel. Rachel had to wait for her womb to be open. Joseph had to wait in prison until the vision God had given him would come to pass. David had to wait in the run for his life before God would rescue him and actually put him in the place of kingship that he promised him. The nation of Israel had to wait for the Messiah to come one day. Jesus himself had to wait for the Father's perfect plan and timing before he would begin his earthly ministry. The woman who suffered from bleeding had to wait 12 years before she was healed. The disciples waited in the upper room for the Holy Spirit to fall. Paul waited in prison after prison after prison before his race was complete. And we today, we the church must wait and wait and wait for the renewal that Jesus is bringing in his return. But waiting can take a toll. Waiting is hard when our hope when our hope is deferred too long, it becomes sour, it becomes unbearable at times. 
How long, O Lord? How long? The Isaiah, Isaiah, he was a prophet uh, for Israel in the time of their captivity to Babylon. And he refers to Israel as, in verse 27, what does he refer to them as? Jacob. He refers to the people of God as Jacob. Now, if you know the story of Israel and the history there and the story of Jacob, then you know what's, what, is, uh, what Isaiah is trying to do. This is reminiscent of Jacob striving with God. In Genesis 32, we know this story where Jacob is on the run and he leaves his family in a city and he goes off by himself and it says, that night there came a man to him who wrestled with him all night long. And Jacob learns that this man is God. That is God in the form of a man. And he's wrestling with this man all night long. And some point in the middle of it, he realizes this, and he just keeps pressing on. He's not giving up. And the man knows this, and he sees this. And so what does he do? He reaches out, and he touches the hip of Jacob, and he, and he dislocates it. You can't make this up. This is a true story in the Bible, right? And, and, he's, and he, he, he's saying, Jacob, or let go. And Jacob would not go. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. He says, what is your name? And he says, Jacob. And he says, I tell you, your name will no longer be Jacob. It will be Israel. Israel. Jacob was so desperate. The patriarch of Israel was so desperate for God to bless him that he was willing to wrestle with God. And Isaiah is reminding this new generation of, an, of, of uh, descendants from Israel during their crisis and during their time and their lives that their striving, their wrestling is their heritage. Listen, you and I, friends, man, we're in desperate times. I mean, there's no doubt about it. We're in desperate times. But does that mean that we become desperate? Desperate for things that only the world can give us, or do we become desperate for God to bless? And I'm right there in the middle of it with you guys. I feel it externally. I feel it internally with you. I know the stories that many of you are even striving through right now. There's stories of waiting, there's stories of enduring, there's stories of hardship. You know, Job, he had to wait in anguish and grief. We don't really know how long. Some people think it's a year, some people think two years. It definitely was more than just like a week. He had to wait. And during this time of lament, he says, when I hoped for good, evil came. When I waited for light, darkness came. Man, doesn't it feel like that sometimes? I mean, Chris Johnson, our children's director, just, her father just passed away from cancer. And, and this has been a long, hard road for her. And our community group has prayed for her and prayed for Larry and prayed that he would be healed. And it seemed as though, man, when we asked for things, all we get was evil and all that came was darkness in the end. And my friend who's serving overseas for many years now, for the past two years, has been going through the hardest thing he's ever gone through in his life. And it's caused him to question everything. And he doesn't know where to stand anymore. 
Paul had been met with this darkness. But let me tell you, friends, church, right there, right here, is where the wrestling comes in. It's right here that we begin our wrestling and our striving. Not in our strength, but we hold on to God's promises. We do this by leaning in, not withdrawing. We grab a hold of God. We grab a hold of the promises that He has given us, and we do not let go. We do this through prayer. We do this through reading our Bibles. We do this through community. We do this through celebration. Why? Because we need help seeing the bigger picture. We need help seeing that the things that we're hoping for in this life are temporary. They will not bring renewal. Only God and His promises in Christ will bring that. It's through the context of these things that we enter into, these means that God has given us, this here, this gathering, that we begin to see things rightly the way things really are. When we remove ourselves from these things, we begin to get distracted. We begin to be confused by all the things that are inundating our minds. But it is the promise of God to his people that we cling to. Let me define what waiting is a little bit. This is not just like waiting on the world to change, kind of waiting, right? No, this is a active, watchful, expectant type of waiting. This is the type of waiting Jesus meant when he told his disciples, stay awake. Stay awake. For you do not know when the Lord is coming. Be vigilant. It can be translated in so many different ways, and honestly, the translators are so loose with it. It can be hoped for, expected, looked. But for the first time, when we see this word in the Bible, for the first time, it shows up in the very beginning, Genesis 1, in creation. Genesis 1, and God commanded the waters to be gathered together. This word gathered is the same as waited. And one commentator says, you know, what were the waters doing? He says they were holding out for God's command. And we see a few verses later that God commands, let the waters be swarmed with living creatures. The waters held for God's command, and they waited expectantly. Do you see the difference in just passively sitting by and waiting? Well, one day, everything will be fine. Now, what are we looking towards? What are we hoping in? What are we looking at? What, is our, what are our eyes fixed on? What's our hope based in? Church, the decrees of God have been issued. His command has gone out, and it will not be thwarted. It cannot be. We, as the people, as the ones keeping watch, here's, here's the truth, and like when, we, when we get to keep watch, when we get to stay vigilant, when we get to enter into the waiting, we get to be the f- ones on the front lines of when Jesus comes back and we get to see the glory of God revealed in all creation. Are we waiting expectantly for that? Listen to this description of wait um, from one of 
our, our fathers in the faith, I would, I would call him, a man who's, who's taught me so much and he doesn't even know it. His name is Ray Ortland. He says, to wait for the Lord means to live in confident, eager suspense. It means to live with the tension of promises revealed but not yet fulfilled. It isn't erratic bursts of hyperactivity within a general pattern of boredom. It is steady, rugged progress sustained by the conviction that the display of God's glory in Christ is yours. It is steady, rugged progress forward sustained by what? The conviction that the glory of Christ to be revealed in all creation is yours and it is mine. The glory that is to be revealed will be displayed in all the earth and we as the people of God will get to see it happen. And everything that we go through now is going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. We begin this series next week on, called A Songs on the Journey to Renewal. We, I like this um, metaphor of road because we believe that this is a journey that you and I are on. And on this journey, the journeying is rugged progress forward. Number two, waiting is the doorway to God's renewal. Waiting is the doorway to God's renewal. Let me read verse 30 through 31. It says, Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Ryan and I, we recently started this show um, called Alone. Have you guys seen it? Yeah, some, maybe not. not. Uh, it's a good show. You should watch it. Uh, the premise of the show is there's individuals who are dropped off in the wilderness in an undisclosed location, and they're given uh, 10 items to take with them, and, and they're left there alone. They're given cameras, and that's it. There's no crew. Uh, the other individuals are miles away from them, and it's last man standing. So you tap out by calling on the satellite phone, and you're like, I'm done. Take me. I'm going home. And what we found in watching this is really interesting because you realize that the ones who last the longest are the ones who can keep their minds from going crazy. Everyone seems like they know what they're doing, but it's really the ones who can keep their minds at peace and have the bigger picture in mind who can really make it last. But everyone has a breaking point. Every single person on the show and for season one, had a breaking point. Some didn't make it through that, and the one who won obviously did. The word renewal, just the word itself, implies a, a temporariness, right? Verse 6 of chapter 40 of Isaiah says that all grass, um, all flesh is grass. All flesh is grass. In the evening it withers, but in the morning it's renewed. It needs to be renewed, made new. It needs to be changed. Yeah, they're, they're on the show alone, there's the individuals who they have certain skills. They need to know how to use the tools that they brought with them. 
They need to have some kind of knowledge about the, um, of what to do in certain scenarios to be able to survive. But when the chips fall, it's only the ones that have tough enough mentally to be able to make it through. Let me give you one more illustration. Viktor Frankl, he was Europe's leading psychiatrist in the early 40s. But during this time, during World War II, he, he spent three years imprisonment, one in Auschwitz and three other concentration camps. Guy had a rough time. And he wrote about this in a book called Man's Search for Meeting. He says, um, what made the difference between those who survived during that time and those who did not survive had nothing to do with mental uh, health um, or like physical health or from uh, physical shape or strength. Listen to what he says. He says, the prisoner who had lost faith in the future, his future was doomed. With his loss of belief in the future, he also lost his spiritual hold. He let himself decline and become subject to mental and physical decay. Usually this happened quite subtly in the form of a crisis, the symptoms of which were familiar to the experienced camp inmate. Usually it began with the prisoner refusing one morning to get dressed and wash or to go out on the parade grounds. No entreaties, no blows, no threats had any effect. He just lay there, hardly moving. If this crisis was brought about by an illness, he refused to be taken to the sick bay or to do anything to help himself. He simply gave up. There he remained, lying in his own excreta, and nothing bothered him anymore. It's a really vivid picture of the reality in some people's lives. There's also a spiritual implication that you and I, friends, man, we, we will never make it through our darkest hours, our difficult moments in life that are ahead of us or possibly that we're in right now, that we will not make it through possibly even this current climate that we're in, socially, politically, without a mental toughness. And I don't mean this kind of like, you know, like I just conjure up this type of renewed thinking um, on my own to be better. Now I'm talking, like Romans 12 says to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. It's, it's a it's a gospel-informed, a spirit-saturated, it's, it's an unmovable conviction in our minds that makes, a, makes us last through the waiting. The ESV Bible, it, it calls, um, translators there, they called this the savoring waiting. They called it savoring of God's promises. God's promise by faith until the time of fulfillment. I love that. Savoring. It's a savoring. It's not a wasting. But you and I, we can't do it alone. I mean, that's the point of the show alone. Really, at the end of the day, the whole point is that everyone hits a breaking point and no one can truly last, I mean, if for, for indefinitely on their own. There will be a time eventually, that that person's going to give up. They're going to give in. 
But isn't that the, the whole illustration of the author of Hebrews in chapter 11 when he goes through the whole list of our of fathers in the faith? Of, he said, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And then he gets to chapter 12 and verse 1 and he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses in the faith, church, let us throw aside every sin and weight that clings so closely. Let us look to who? To who, church? Jesus. Jesus. Since we're surrounded by this, since we know the history of our, of our heritage, since we know what is ahead of us, may we continue to, in the same effort, look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We need each other to keep us savoring God's promises because waiting is, is the precursor to renewal. It is the doorway to strength. You may not have it here and now. You're not even possibly promised whatever renewal you're looking for here in this earth, but you are promised renewal in the end. That there will be no more crying, there will be no more weeping, there will be no sadness, no more pain, no more death, no more sin. All will be renewed. It is yours in Christ. And it's because of that that you and I can endure. We know this. But let me, let me remind us of this, that we are not simply waiting for good. Church, hear me. We are not simply waiting for good. We're waiting for God. That's the point here in the passage, is that those who wait for God will renew their strength. You may be holding out for, man, that good thing. Well, God, I know you're going to bring it. What if he doesn't give it? Is he still good? Is he still a good God? He is. He is a thousand, ten thousand times over. There's a promise here in the waiting. What, what is Isaiah even saying? Like, the, what are we waiting for? It's what I've been saying over and over. In verse 5 of chapter 40, he tells him, he says, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. All flesh shall see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's the promise. That when we wait for the Lord, we shall see it. The context of the passage is God declaring his rescue for his people from their captivity. But it's also a prophecy, we know this, of God's ultimate plan of rescuing his people from sin. That that happened, right? They couldn't see it in the moment, but it happened. God had a bigger plan in store. He would do this rescuing of slavery of sin and ushering in his kingdom on earth. Do you know where this passage is quoted in the New Testament? The uh, chapter 40 where it says, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the desert, the highway for our God. You know where that's quoted? If you know it, say it. John the Baptist. John the Baptist. The very beginning. It is John who ushers in, who prepares the way for Jesus to usher in the kingdom of God. John looks back 
And given the authority of God, the vision from God, he says, I am the one who's going to cry out in the wilderness. I'm going to prepare the way for the Lord. And the Lord comes and he ushers in his kingdom. And we are here today in the kingdom that has come and is yet to come. It is that which has been promised, which is given, but not completely fulfilled. And it is here in this time in this waiting for it to be completely fulfilled that we find our strength for today. It's here in the waiting that we must join in the wrestling. If you want to find your renewal, then we must join in with all creation. Creation is groaning. Creation is waiting. Creation is expecting for this to happen. We must join in with creation. It's there that our hope is stored. Let me read this passage from 1 Peter as we close. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9 says this, that we have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, it's unfading, it's kept in heaven for you, church, who by God's power, listen to this, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, before we close, you may be here today and you may say, man, I don't have that faith. You may be online and you say, I don't have that faith. That sounds, Josiah, like a, a type of faith that is for the spiritually elite. That sounds like survival of the fittest. That sounds like only the strong survive. But I'm weak, Josiah. God, I'm weak. You know I'm weak. I don't have that kind of faith. Do you know that Jesus says that it is the faith the size of a mustard seed that will move mountains? The whole point in that analogy from Jesus is that God will use even your meager faith, Christian, your meager, little, tiny faith, whatever you have today, He will use that. It is not your faith. It is not your grip upon God that will ultimately save you. It is Jesus' vice grips upon you. That He will never let you go. He will never forsake you. That He says that it is this promise that is kept in heaven for you. It is the power of God that is guarding you until the completion of all this. Do you have even faith today to believe a little? 
God will use it. Dear brother and sister, it's Jesus who says, come to me. If you're weary, if you're heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Don't, don't take the burden that you may feel for whatever you lack. Give it to me. Give it to me. Jesus can do the impossible. Because it's not only those who wait for the Lord that renew their strength. It's those who wait for the Lord that will renew their strength to do the literally the impossible. To run without being weary, to walk without fainting. You can't do that in your strength. I can't do that. But that's the promise of God. That he will renew you as the grass withers by night but is renewed in the morning so your faith can be renewed, so your strength can be renewed as we hold on to the promises that he has given us. I titled this sermon, Worth the Wait. You may remember, if you, I don't know if you do remember, the promise rings um, that were given like when you, you took a vow to wait until, for marriage. I mean, looking back, I'm, you know, and it's, a lot of that was kind of silly, but it, it, I, I love the phrase worth the wait, but you know what's better than wor- waiting for a spouse or waiting for a companion in life? It's God. He's worth the wait. He's worth it all. Let me pray for you. God, we want to believe that. I know I want to believe that more fully, God. I believe, but help my unbelief. As a church today, here today, or maybe watching, or maybe someone who's tuning in for, tuning in for the first time, we say together in our hearts, I believe, but help my unbelief, Lord. Give me faith to believe that my hope is not here in this earth. My renewal does not come through my knowledge of what is ahead. My faith, my hope, and my renewal, my strength does not come through being able to accomplish things in this earth. My hope and renewal and strength come from you. It's what you have promised that you will fulfill. So we look to you, Christ. Help us to do that today as we sing, as we rejoice, as we take communion and we celebrate what you have done. Oh, Lord, help us to look to you again afresh and anew. And we pray this to your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen.